Grace to you and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Sermon text for today is the Old Testament lesson taken from 1 Samuel chapter 16. We hear verses 1 through 13. Please rise as we hear these words in Jesus' name. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem, for I see a king for myself among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will let you know what you are to do. You are to anoint for me the person that I point out to you. So Samuel did what the Lord had told him to do and went to Bethlehem. Trembling with fear, the elders of the city came to meet him. They said, Do you come in peace? He said, Yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. He consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they had come, he looked at Eliab and said, Certainly this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at how tall he is, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not look at things the way man does. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. And then Jesse had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Is that all of the young men? And Jesse said, There is still the youngest, but he is tending the sheep. Samuel said to Jesse, Send for him. For we cannot sit down to eat until he comes. He sent for him and brought him in. David had red hair, striking eyes, and was good looking. The Lord said, get up, anoint him, because this is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. The spirit of the Lord rushed on David with power from that day forward. And after that, Samuel set out and returned to Ramah. And we pray. Oh Lord, give us peace in those times when our expectations are not met, and help us to always trust in your gracious choices. Amen. Please be seated. What are your expectations for today? We're going to be hearing our school kids sing in a few moments. We expect to watch a football game later this afternoon. That Amazon package, I hope, is going to show up today. There's uh, going to be this new recipe I'm going to try making. I'm going to go see a friend, a certain friend that I haven't seen in a while. I expect my car to keep functioning properly. I'm going to uh, remain healthy myself today. Those are some expectations. But what happens when, when unexpected or unwelcome surprises arise? How quickly 
Can our lives feel as if they descend into chaos and pandemonium? Oh no, my cable isn't working. My antenna blew off the roof. Now I can't watch those Super Bowl commercials. My package didn't show up. As I was on my way to see my friend, I got in a car accident and now I need stitches. Now these examples, of course, are rather silly. They're rather small. But what happens when in your life there's a serious issue? A serious derailment, some very unexpected thing that takes place. Maybe you get laid off from work. You go bankrupt. Your doctor tells you that you have some terrible disease. Maybe someone dies. When we face unexpected, unwelcome surprises like these, we can fall into despair. We can get really frustrated. Maybe we can even get, get angry at the circumstances. Why is this happening? Maybe we might even ask, why is God letting this happen to me? Why is he not seemingly respecting or considering my expectations? Instead, he's forcing me to face this unexpected, surprising thing. Don't we struggle with this? Don't we struggle when God's choices do not match our expectations? When God allows things to happen that are at odds with, with our expectations or with what we want, we are, we are tempted to sinfully then begin to question him. At such times, we can easily doubt him. We can mock his proclaimed love for us. How often do we then start complaining, even bitterly complaining about his choices? There are times when we face these unexpected things that, that we might even consider God to be unwise or foolish or dumb himself. And in times such as these, when our expectations are not met or matched by what God chooses, the devil then loves to come, and he loves to whisper things into your ear. He loves to tempt you to maybe even think that there is no God at all. Or if there is a God, maybe he's so far away, he's distant, and he's certainly apathetic towards you. Or maybe the devil might try and suggest to you that, that obviously, look at these things. God's going in a direction other than you want him to. Maybe he is not for you. Instead, it's just the opposite. He is out to get you. When we start buying into these lies, we can become even more frustrated, more angry. We can fall deeper into despair. I know people who have been in this situation and have bought into these lies and and it has caused them to become bitter and hard-hearted towards God to the point where they even blame God. And they think that God's choices and desires are to disappoint them and to hurt them in some way. Dear friends, do not fall into this way of thinking. Do not fall into the trap of believing this lie. If we think and if we act as if our earthly expectations, what we want here in this world... And in this life, if we act as if these things are more important than God's choices, then watch out. You are sinfully setting yourself and what you want over and above what God chooses. What God knows is best. 
Really, when we do that, we are saying that we have the ability to love ourselves more than God could ever love us. And this is honestly just a flat-out breaking of the very first commandment. Do not allow your earthly expectations, the things that you think should be and should happen, to ever be placed above God and what he thinks should be and happen. Do not be surprised when God's choices do not match your own expectations. This is a simple lesson that we see throughout Scripture, and we see it especially in our text for today. We are encouraged to know that God knows best. God makes good choices. What God chooses is good, even when we don't see how it could be, even when we don't see the final outcome, when it's still bleak and dark and in the future. In our text for today, the prophet Samuel, he shows up and he was told that he was going to anoint the next king of Israel. And he was told that it was going to be a young man from Bethlehem, one of Jesse's sons. And as Jesse's son Eliab steps up, immediately Samuel thinks, oh, this must be the guy. Certainly, this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at how tall he is, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not look at things the way man does. That's a key statement. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. This is a lesson for us to take to heart today. The Lord does not look at things the way we do. God sees and he considers things that we don't see. He sees things that are invisible to our eyes. God is at work behind the scenes. He works in mysterious ways, in ways that we don't understand now. And yet we are reassured and we are told that we don't have to worry or to get frustrated or to get angry or bitter with him. But he invites us to instead trust. Trust that he is working in all ways according to his grace. Think back to our gospel lesson we heard a few moments ago. We don't want to be like those disciples. Jesus lays the plan so clearly out in front of them, and yet they were completely mystified. What? Instead, we want to see ourselves and identify with that blind beggar of Jericho, Bartimaeus, who trusts in Jesus, who says, Lord, have mercy upon me. Really, Bartimaeus was saying, I have no expectations. I'd like to recover my sight, but Lord, I just want you to be merciful to me. You do what is best for me. Going back to our text, after this event, after the, the choosing and the anointing of the runt of Jesse's litter, and this, this shepherd boy David, what was the final outcome of all of that? The smallest, most humanly unexpected choice of this shepherd boy David. He was the one anointed as the new king. Well, I, I think it worked out pretty well, didn't it? As David was being anointed, Samuel, Jesse, maybe his other brothers, they, they were probably likely confused, maybe even angry. What in the world is the Lord thinking? Why is David the one being anointed? And yet, King David and the success of his rule as king goes to show that God, in fact, knew what he was doing. God was making the right choice. 
David was exactly the right person to be king. He was exactly the right person to be an ancestor of Christ. He was exactly the right person, in fact, to even be one who would have to be called to repentance for this terrible sin that he would later commit of adultery and murder. And yet he repents, he turns with a, clean, with, with a, with a renewed heart, God absolves him of his sin, and, and there in this choice of David, you and I still have this beautiful, comforting example of God's amazing grace. This is an important thing for us to remember, especially in those times when, when God's choices seem to go against our expectations and what we want. His choices are always gracious, gracious. In fact, isn't that the very nature of grace itself? It's something that we, we shouldn't expect. If you ask any of our confirmation students, they should be able to tell you the two-word definition for grace, undeserved love. It comes to us as a surprise. What have we done to deserve it? Nothing. And yet God chooses to give it to us. Honestly, isn't grace just nonsensical? It blows all expectations out of the water. What have you and I ever done to deserve God's love? Nothing. And yet God gives it to you and me anyways. He chooses to love you with a perfect love. The kind of love that was described and explained a few moments ago in our epistle lesson, in that famous chapter of love in 1 Corinthians 13. That's the kind of love that God has for you. This is the unexpected, gracious kind of love that God chooses to share with you and me. And God demonstrates this love towards us in most unexpected kinds of ways, doesn't he? Through something as seemingly foolish as a cross. Think about it. The way that God's plan of salvation, it seems so backwards to human minds, human brains, and yet this is God's plan. This is his choice. Almighty, all-powerful, all-glorious God decides to humble himself, to come into our world, to be conceived and born into this world as one of us, a human being. And Jesus comes into this world, and throughout his life, he didn't lead a life of, of luxury and ease. Instead, God enters this world, and he leads a life of suffering. He faces hardship. He, pays, he faces opposition and persecution through it all. And yet, through it all, Jesus continued throughout his life to let God's choices come first. There were plenty of opportunities and times where he could have he could have scoffed at, he could have complained, he could have doubted God's plan, but he didn't. Instead, Jesus perfectly matched his expectations with God's choices. And glory be to Jesus for doing so. By doing that, he earned perfect righteousness that now belongs to everyone who puts their hope, their trust in him. Jesus absolutely trusted in God's plan and in God's choices, even if it seemed totally crazy to a human perspective. And we see this especially even in our, our gospel lesson for today. He lays it so clearly out before his disciples what was going to happen, what was going to take place. 
the seemingly plan for Jesus to go to the cross to be shamefully treated, flogged, and killed. And yet, what does God choose to do through this? God chooses that through Jesus' suffering and death on the cross, he chooses to pay for your sins for you. You are now cleansed. You are now healed. God flings open wide the gates of heaven and says to you, this is now your home. Come and join me. God's choice and plan. It seems to go against human earthly expectations. St. Paul admits as such. He says that he calls it the foolishness of the cross. And yet, what is it? For us who are being saved, it is the power, it is the glory of God. Jesus, in his life, in his death, and also in his resurrection from the dead on the third day, where he has proven that he is victorious over sin and death, he assures you and me that we do, in fact, possess the love and grace of God. And that is what we cling to. We who are, are guilty of sins, we have in our lives questioned God. We have doubted him. We have complained against him and his choices. And yet, in spite of that, God chooses to give you his grace. What, should, what, what we should expect is for God to cast us away to send us away, but he chooses to do the opposite. He draws us close to himself. He forgives us, he heals us as he shares his gospel message with you and me. And he does that especially here through the preaching of his word. And as that gospel message is attached to something as simple as water, he then makes that gospel message and the power of the gospel, he puts it into you as that water is applied to your own head in baptism. He puts that powerful gospel message and the forgiveness of sins that it possesses in, he joins it with the bread and wine, with the body and blood of Christ that he then feeds you around his altar. He does this so that you might be forgiven, so that you might be an heir of eternal life in heaven. Dear friends, how great is that? How much better is that than anything we could ever expect? There's this great verse that Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, what no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no human mind has conceived, that is what God has prepared for those who love him. How infinitely better than anything we could expect. God's grace goes far beyond our expectations. Knowing this, knowing this can now give you the ability and power to silence your earthly expectations when things seem to be going awry. When life feels like it's beginning to, to plummet into chaos and pandemonium, we can silence those. And we can say, God, you know what you're doing. God, you know better than me. Your choices are better than my expectations. So let your will be done. And dear friends, doesn't this also then give us a life-changing, radical confidence? Even in the face of all sorts of unwelcome surprises, when our earthly expectations are not met, well, what can we say to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
Think of King David and the, the anointing that he had. What an impact that made upon him. Even as a little boy, what confidence that instilled in him. So much confidence that even while the entire army of Israel was cowering in fear be before this giant Goliath, this little shepherd boy walks out and faces that, that mighty warrior with nothing but a few stones and a sling. What confidence that takes. Or even later on in life, as, as David is being pursued by this corrupt King Saul, and Saul wants to kill him. David says God knows what he's doing. There were even several times where, where David had the ability to kill Saul himself, but he didn't. Instead, David was trusting that God would work things for his good, just as he had promised. This is the confidence and the assurance that also now belongs to every single one of you. After all, you too have been anointed by God in your baptism. You belong to God. He has promised you his love and his good will at all times. In every decision that he makes, he is thinking about what is best for you. So what do you have to worry about? Even when things are seemingly overwhelming, when we are facing these unwelcome surprises, when our daily earthly expectations are all falling flat, and even as we face serious challenges in life, losses, illnesses, death, or other incredible hardships, we can rest assured that God is not leaving us or abandoning us. Even in such times as these, dear friends, God is for you. He is at work for you according to his grace. Cling to this. And we pray, O oh Lord, help us to always trust, rejoice in, and be at peace with your gracious choices made for us. Amen.